Last Monday, I spoke about a critical attribute of the leader's soul, which was gravitas. This morning, I want to speak about another critical attribute of the leader's soul, which is humility. Let's turn our attention to the text today from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Holy God, we ask that you would give us the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit who inspired these sacred words. Now may our hearing of them be so inspired that we might be transformed closer into the image of the Word made flesh, in whose name we pray. Amen. Humility is not our favorite virtue. I've never seen a couple cradle a newborn child and say, someday this beautiful baby is going to grow up to be humble. <laughs> what they should say is someday this child's going to grow up to humble us. The reason we're not so fond of humility is that we confuse it with poor self-esteem. But the reality is, those who truly have humility have tremendous esteem. Not just self-esteem, certainly not the esteem that comes from achievements or beauty or wealth or popularity. Those who are truly humble have boundless esteem from being loved. In our text today, the Apostle Paul tells us that God was so filled with love for creation that in Jesus Christ, God humbled himself, taking on our humanity, taking on everything that we could face, even death, just to find us. And then he rose to new life that we too, in Christ, might be risen to a new life we can never lose. And he did that just to keep us. 
Verses 5 to 11 of this chapter are among the most cherished verses of all of Scripture. Some scholars believe it was originally an ancient hymn. Some scholars believe this. I've learned to say this here at Princeton Seminary. <laughs> if that's true that it was a hymn, then it was an expression of faith used in the church over and over again to proclaim what was at the very heart of the gospel. The hymn begins by the Son, Jesus Christ, being in the form of God. But then it turns with him taking on the form of humanity. And more to the point, the form of a servant of humanity. This is extraordinary. El Shaddai, almighty God, the God of the mountains, the God who created heaven and earth, has come to us as a servant. Carl Jung was fond of telling the story of a man who asked a rabbi, why is it that God was revealed so often in ancient times, but now no one ever sees God? And the rabbi responded by saying, because now no one can bow low enough. El Shaddai, who becomes the servant. Rabbi Jesus made it clear that he would descend even to the point of a cross to find us. The creed says he will descend even to hell, which means that it does not matter how low you go, there is always a savior there waiting for you to give you the love of God. And this love does something. We get to that the latter part of the hymn when it turns again to exaltation. In the exaltation of Christ who is risen in Christ we too are risen, not to an easier life, but now to life with God. That's what the love does. It gives us a better life because it is life with God. It raises us. And if you pay attention to that, then you know what true humility is about. It has nothing to do with not being good enough has nothing to do with what you've done or left undone or what's been done to you. It has to do with the grace of God that you have received. By grace, the Spirit has adopted you into Christ's own life, adopting you into Christ's relationship with the Father. By grace, as Cyril of Alexandria said, Christ took on our life that we might take on his life. By grace. You have been made a beloved daughter of God, a beloved son of God, by grace. It's humbling. Now you're all theology students, you, you understand grace. It doesn't mean you like it though. If you struggle with the concept of grace that you understand so well, it's probably because you're the kind of student who gets A's around here. And when it comes to the grace of God, I'm telling you, it's just pass-fail. It's very frustrating. But if grace means that we are adopted into this life of the Son who is exalted, raised up 
to being a child of God, how do you get an A on being adopted? You're not supposed to struggle for the A. You just receive adoption. And then you take on the family name, Christian. And then you enter into the family business, which is giving grace to others. You were exalted in Christ that you may also join him in being humbled as a servant to others. And if you don't enjoy that humble service, you're not doing it right. When I was serving the church in Pittsburgh, one Sunday morning, we baptized a three-year-old girl who had just been adopted by her parents after a year of trying to make the arrangements. Her name is Deanie. Deanie spent the first three years of her life in a very poor orphanage. She has some issues. She has a very large mold on her shoulder that in time will turn cancerous and kill her. So they have to remove the mold, but it takes years to do that. It's a long, slow, painful process for that little girl. She spent these first three years in an orphanage pretty much abandoned into one room, so her motor skills are not very good. And who knows what kind of issues uh, she has from primal abandonment concerns. She has issues. But there's also the issue of love. The love of her parents now. The love of a, of, a, of a congregation who spent a year praying for this little girl before we ever knew her name. I'll never forget that baptism. As I stood at the baptismal font and looked at Dini being held in her father's arms with her spindly little arms around his neck, when I got to the part of the baptismal liturgy that talked about being adopted into the family of God, I was done with words. Her father, who was our associate pastor, then reached into the baptismal font. He pulled up so much water, he just doused her with this water on her head. And as I watched the water run down her head, and even onto her wounded shoulder. The tears of everyone in the congregation began to flow. Those tears became our silent prayer of thanksgiving. This little girl was found and was raised up. Why were we so overwhelmed? because we all belonged in those arms, and we knew it. We all have issues, don't we? None of us deserve to get into those arms. We certainly can't climb up into them on our own. What did Dini do to deserve her adoption? She didn't even ask for it. But on that day, she was given the sign and the seal that proclaimed she would forever be the beloved daughter of God. On all the 
ordinary days that followed that extraordinary day for her and for our church. I loved watching Deanie round the halls of the church. Her, as, after she learned how to run, that's all she ever chose to do. <laughs> and for some strange reason, she would run through the halls of the church and run around outside of the church, always with her arms straight up like this, always smiling from ear to ear. I took that as an unconscious act of praise. She knew enough to know what salvation and grace was about. I don't see many of us running across the quad with our arms straight up in the air. But even if you can only pull it off in your heart, I want you to know that's what humility actually looks like. It looks like gratitude and joy for receiving such holy, sacred, saving love. So much love that there's plenty of it to give away. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.